Chapter One of Grace Harlowe's Senior Year at High School. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ashley Jane. Grace Harlowe's Senior Year at High School by Jessie Graham Flower. Chapter One: A Puzzling Resemblance. Oakdale won't seem like the same place. What shall we do without you? exclaimed Grace Harlowe mournfully. It was a Sunday afternoon in early October, and Grace Harlowe, with her three chums, Anne Pearson, Nora O'Malley, and Jessica Bright, stood grouped around three young men on the station platform at Oakdale, for Hippy Wingate, Reddy Brooks, and David Nesbit were leaving that afternoon to begin a four-year's course in an eastern college, and a number of relatives and friends had gathered to wish them Godspeed. Those who have read Grace Harlowe's plebe at high school will need no introduction to these three young men or to the girl chums. The doings of these merry girls made the record of their freshman year memorable indeed. The winning of the freshman prize by Anne Pearson, despite the determined opposition and plotting of Miriam Nesbit, also aspiring to that honour, Mrs. Gray's Christmas party, the winter picnic that ended in an adventure with wolves, and many other stirring events furnished plenty of excitement for the readers of that volume. In Grace Harlowe's sophomore year at high school, the interest of the story was centered around the series of basketball games played by the sophomore and junior classes for the high school championship. In this volume was narrated the efforts of Miriam Nesbit, aided by Julia Crosby, the disagreeable junior captain, to discredit Anne and force Grace to resign the captaincy of her team. The rescue of Julia by Grace from drowning during a skating party served to bring about a reconciliation between the two girls and clear Anne's name of the suspicion resting upon it. The two classes, formerly at sword's points, became friendly and buried the hatchet, although Miriam Nesbit, still bitterly jealous of Grace's popularity, planned a revenge upon Grace that nearly resulted in making her miss playing on her team during the deciding game. Grace's encounter with an escaped lunatic, David Nesbit's trial flight in his aeroplane, were incidents that also held the undivided attention of the reader. In Grace Harlowe's junior year at high school, the four chums appeared as members of the famous sorority, the Phi Sigma Tau, organized by Grace for the purpose of helping needy high school girls. In that volume, Eleanor Savelli, the self-willed, temperamental daughter of an Italian violin virtuoso furnished much of the interest of the book. The efforts of Grace and her chums to create in this girl a healthy, wholesome enjoyment for high school life, and her repudiation of their friendship, and subsequent attempts to revenge herself for fancied slights and insults, served to make the story absorbing. The walking expedition through Upton Wood, the rescue of Mabel Allison, an orphan by the Phi Sigma Tau, from the tender mercies of a cruel and ignorant woman with whom she lived, proved interesting reading. The class play in which Eleanor plotted to oust Anne Pearson, the star, from the production, and obtain a leading part for herself, the discovery of the plot at the eleventh hour by Grace, enabling her to balk Eleanor's scheme, were among the incidents that aroused anew the admiration of the reader for capable, wide-awake Grace Harlowe. The seven young people on the platform looked unusually solemn, and a brief silence followed Grace's wistful question. Saying good-bye threatened to be a harder task than any of them had imagined it to be. Even Hippy, usually ready of speech, wore a look of concern decidedly out of place on his fat, good-humoured face. "'Do something funny, Hippy,' 
exclaimed Nora in desperation. This silence is awful. In another minute we'll all be weeping. Can't you offer something cheerful? Hippy fixed a reflective eye upon Nora for an instant, then recited in a husky voice, Remember well, and bear in mind, that fat young men are hard to find. There was a shout of laughter went up at this, and things began to take a brighter turn. Now will you be good, Nora, teased David. <laughs> sniffed Nora. I knew his sadness was only skin deep. After all, said Anne Pearson, why should we look at the gloomy side? You are all coming home for Thanksgiving, and the time will slip by before we realize it. It's our duty to send you boys away in good spirits, instead of making you feel blue and melancholy. Anne always thinks about her duty, laughed Jessica, but she's right, nevertheless. Let's all be as cheerful as possible. I hear the train coming, cried Grace, always on the alert. Do write to us, won't you, boys? Please don't forget to send us some pictures of the college. "'Yes, don't let that new Eastman of yours go to waste, Reddy,' said Nora. "'I will make Hippy pose the minute we strike the college campus,' laughed Reddy, "'and you shall have the first resorts, providing they are not too terrifying.' "'I want pictures of the college, not the inmates,' retorted Nora. "'Inmates!' cried Hippy. "'One would think she was speaking of a lunatic asylum or a jail. "'I forgive you, Nora, but it was a cruel thrust. "'Here comes the train. "'Get busy, you fellows, and make your fond farewells to your families, "'who will no doubt be tickled pink to get rid of you for a while.' "'With that he made a rush to where his father and brother stood. "'David turned to his mother and sister Miriam, kissing them affectionately, "'while Reddy grasped his father's hand with silent affection in his eyes.' The last good-byes were reserved for the four chums, who felt lumps rise in their throats in spite of their recently avowed declaration to be cheerful. Nora shoved a white box tied up with blue ribbon into Hippy's hand just as he was about to board the train. "'It's walnut fudge,' she said, "'but it isn't all for you. Be generous, and let David and Reddy have some, too.' "'Good-bye! Good-bye! Don't forget us!' chorused the chums as the train pulled out, while the young men waved farewell from the open windows. "'I hope I won't be called upon to say good-bye to any more of my friends for a blue moon,' exclaimed Grace. "'I hate good-byes. When it comes my turn to go to the college, I believe I shall slip away quietly without saying a word to a soul except mother.' "'You know you couldn't leave your little playmates in such a heartless manner,' said Jessica. "'We'll visit you in nightmares the whole of your freshman year if you even attempt such a thing.' "'Oh, well, if you are going to use threats, I expect I shall have to forego my vanishing act,' said Grace, with a smile. The four girls had walked the length of the platform and were about to turn in at the entrance leading to the street when Grace suddenly clutched Anne, pointing and crying out, "'Oh, look! Look!' Three pairs of eyes were turned instantly in the direction of her finger, just in time to see a dark blue touring car crash against a tree at the foot of the hilly street leading down to the station. Its two occupants, the chauffeur and a woman who sat in the tonneau, were thrown out with considerable force and lay motionless at one side of the street. In a twinkling the four girls had reached the woman's side. Grace knelt beside her, then sat down on the pavement, raising the stranger's head until it rested in her lap. The woman lay white and still, although on placing a hand to her heart, Grace found that it was beating faintly. Calling for water, she dashed it in the woman's face without any noticeable results. By this time a crowd had collected, and several men were busy with the chauffeur, who was conscious but moaned as though in pain. "'Do go for a doctor, please,' Grace cried to her chums. "'I'm afraid this woman is badly hurt.' "'Here's Dr. Gale now,' exclaimed Anne as the old doctor came hurrying across the street. 
"'Hello, what's the matter here?' he called. "'It's a good thing I happen to be driving by.' "'Oh, Dr. Gale, do look at this poor woman. She must have struck her head, for she lies as though she were dead.' Kneeling beside the stranger, the doctor busied himself with her, and after a little time the woman opened her eyes and gazed vaguely about, then again relapsed into unconsciousness. "'Whom does she resemble?' thought Grace. "'Her face has a familiar look, although I am sure I have never before seen her.' "'Stand back and give her air,' ordered the doctor, and the circling crowd fell back a little. "'Grace, look out for her while I order the ambulance and see to this man.' The doctor bustled over to the injured chauffeur and began his examination. "'Broken arm,' he said briefly. "'Send them both to the hospital.' The ambulance proved large enough to hold both victims of the accident, and the attendant took them in charge and signalled the driver who headed for the city hospital, leaving the crowd to examine the big car. "'It's pretty badly damaged,' said one man. "'It must have hit that tree with a terrific crash. Skidded, I suppose.' "'Come on, girls,' said Anne. "'There's no use in staying here any longer. "'We've had enough excitement for one day.' "'I should say so,' shuddered Jessica. "'I hope that woman doesn't die. "'We must go to the hospital tomorrow and inquire for her.' "'Of course,' responded Anne. "'What a sweet face she had, "'and her eyes were such a beautiful brown, but they haunted me. "'There's something so familiar about them.' "'Why, that's just what I thought, too,' cried Grace. "'Who is it she resembles?' "'Give it up,' said Nora although I noticed it too. Jessica alone made no remark. Her face wore a puzzled frown, as though she were searching her memory for something. "'Oh, well, what's the use of worrying over a resemblance?' said Nora. "'I wonder what day's visitors are allowed at the hospital.' "'By the way, Jessica,' said Anne, "'where is Mabel? She usually waits for you.' "'Mabel is,' began Jessica. Then she stopped, her eyes filling with wonder, almost alarm. "'Girls!' she cried, her voice rising to an excited scream. "'I know who that woman resembles. She looks like Mabel Allison.'" End of chapter 1 of Grace Harlow's Senior Year at High School by Jessie Graham Flower This LibriVox recording is in the public domain.